The hardest thing to do is the first thing. If you can overcome that first step, it will never be harder than that. That doesn't mean you're not going to work because things come up every single day and we have one life and the only way you can go is forward. Hey, this is Chris Semplis, CEO and co-founder of Prototaste. And if you want to start being intentional with your free time to discover your true purpose and potential, then you should be listening to the free time podcast with my homie, Carl Sona. Deep down in your gut, you know there's more to life than waking up for school or work, going through the motions just to get by, and living for the weekend. But you're still scared and uncertain about what your true purpose in life is. Welcome to the Free Time Podcast, your very own community and virtual support group created to help you leverage your free time as a valuable asset so you can start to improve your mindset, learn self-empowerment skills, and ultimately find true fulfillment to move you towards the incredible life that was specifically created for you to live. This is more than a podcast dropping three episodes a week. This is a movement built around real people sharing real stories focused on helping you make the most of your life by becoming super intentional with your time brought to you by your host carl sona now before we get into today's episode i'd like to make a quick announcement we're on a mission to build a movement here around the topics of self-empowerment mental health and personal fulfillment These are all some really big topics that we all deal with as human beings, but also they're topics that will look a little different for each of us as individuals. And so I'd love to put a name with the face and learn more about who you are and where you are currently along your journey. So I'm super excited to announce that I'm offering free 15-minute Zoom phone calls with me in order for us to get better acquainted. If you're at all interested in this, please hit the link to my calendar in the show notes below to sign up for a time and I'll see you there. Now, without further ado, let's jump into our episode today. What's up, everybody? It's your host, Carl Stone with the Free Time Podcast. And today I'm super excited to bring y'all another one with a good homie of mine that I've actually known for some time. His name is Chris Semplis, and he's a fucking fantastic, amazing individual. Chris, welcome to the show, man. Thanks, Carl. Thanks for having me, brother. Excited to be here. Absolutely, dog. When I think about you, man, if I had to put you in one word, I would say heart. And let me tell you why. Four years ago, maybe almost five years ago, you and I met in Scottsdale, Arizona. Yep. I remember we were out at Old Town. Anybody know Scottsdale? There's a cool little district called Old Town where all the bars are. It was a Sunday fun day, I think. Yep. <laughs> those cl- tend to get away from you. <laughs> we clearly were trying to keep the party going. And it was one of those Sundays where everybody's football team was winning. You're a big Philly Eagles fan. I'm a big Green Bay fan. And I remember you just approaching our group and just like coming with just heart and love, man. And like, literally, I wouldn't have guessed that I'd be living in Denver four years after the fact. And we'd have a mutual friend in, in, in Steve that would, would connect us the way that we have. You yeah. Know? I watched how you are with your friends. I was at your birthday party about a month ago. Yep. Just seeing the heart and the love and all the interaction. And then everything you're doing right now, man, you know, taking your skills from your job to now developing prototaste, all that stuff takes heart, man. So I'm curious, bro, like, where does it come from? Obviously, you're from a suburb of Philadelphia, city of brotherly love. How do you, how do you have so much heart, man? Like, like, where does that come from? Thanks, man. I appreciate that. So, yeah, I'm from Harrisburg, PA, which is um, the capital. It's about... If you're not familiar with it, it's about an hour and a half west of Philly. Okay. Um, grew up diehard Philly Eagles, Sixers, um, <laughs> Go Birds. Stuff. Yeah, you know how it is. <laughs> plug, shameless <laughs> yeah, plug. Yeah, yeah, shameless <laughs> plug. So, but no, and I also grew up playing sports. I actually played D3 basketball at a school in Reading, Pennsylvania called Albright College. Yeah. And um, 
if you know anything about D3 sports, you know, you're playing for the love of the game. You're not playing because there is a next level. So I also grew up playing baseball and football, and I was never the strongest, never the fastest, never the most athletically gifted, but I always had that work ethic and that heart that kind of helped me hold my own. Same with the classroom. I did well in school, but it's not because I was just naturally gifted. It's because of the the work ethic and the effort. So I think for me, when you kind of asked like where the heart came from, it was just more so kind of survival of the fittest almost like hey you're not gonna be a starting point guard based on your skills so you got to have the heart you got to have the drive the work ethic to do it you know you're not gonna get straight A's and do really well in your classes because you're naturally smart so you got to put in the time so Mm. I think that was just something that was instilled in me from a young age and that's carried over to my professional career and stayed with me yeah well said man what I hear out of that explanation is like literally no sense of entitlement. Nothing's owed to you. And you know, our generation, millennials, young professionals, whatever you want to call us, a lot of the times we tend to be labeled as people that are entitled. Where do you think that comes from? Yeah, I I think that's really interesting. And um, do you, or or I'm not sure if any of your listeners, Gary Vaynerchuk, um, I'm a big Gary V fan. He actually has a whole little um, spiel about this. And and one thing that he touches on too is, you know, you talk about the eighth place trophies and things (laughs) like that, you know, I mean, one of my favorite stories of all time is actually from Allen Iverson. And this is just kind of encompasses that is he was playing in an AU tournament and they weren't supposed to do, you know, anything. I think they got like second place and they had a trophy and he threw it out the window on the bus ride home. And said we didn't come here for that. And that story has just always kind of resonated with me. Like, you know, if you're going to do something, do it to win. If you're going to do anything, be the best that you can. Yeah. You know, if you're a janitor and you mop the floors, take some pride and, you know, mop them. Be the best damn janitor you can be. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I think, today why people are kind of steering away from that is because we've lost that edge you know i think that people are all of a sudden okay with being okay well we didn't win but we did give it our best and you know the efforts definitely like i said that's kind of how i got to where i am with my effort so i'm not discounting having that mindset but i think that's overcome what we kind of grew up with or that kind of mentality of like you know if i'm going to do this i want to win type thing so that would probably be my closest guess as to why people think like oh i deserve this or i'm owed that it's because they grew up thinking that okay well if i don't do this that's okay because i can go this route versus like all right I got to work my ass off to get what I want. Yeah, absolutely, brother. So I'm very curious. You're obviously here in Denver, Colorado right now, but you're from Harrisburg. Kind of walk us through like, you know, Chris in high school, going on to Albright to ultimately coming here. You know, everything that you kind of experience with like growth and maturation and then ultimately getting your first job. Yeah. Kind of, of kind of, kind of give us some context. As of to course. So, um, yeah. So after high school, I played, like I said, I played football and basketball in high school. Yeah. Um, and then I went to Albright to play basketball and I ended D3, up three, right? D three. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I ended up tearing my ACL my sophomore year oh, damn. and I had full surgery, fully recovered. And then coach kind of sat me down and he was like, you know, Hey Chris, you're part of the team, but you know, I hate to break it to you. You're not going to get any time. You, you just kind of lost a step in your recovery. And, and, you know, I appreciated that. And I remember I took a day or two to think about that. And I said, you know what? I appreciate that, but I didn't come to D3 just to sit. Okay. So, you know, I decided it was a very hard decision, but I decided, I think this was the end of my basketball career on a competitive level. So my last two years at Albright, I didn't play a sport and And I just enjoyed my time there, developed my relationships. And I was a marketing and a finance major. Mm -hmm. And I knew that I wasn't sure where I wanted to live after school, but I knew that I was open to living anywhere I could. Um, You know, I was just kind of, I had that young, you know, Harrisburg. I moved back home and I bartended there for a little bit. And when I graduated, my friends kind of went, 
a couple different ways. Like I had some friends that were like, you know what, I'm holding out on a job until I get the job that I want to get. And like, you know, I'll just take no income until then. And then there was another group that's like, all right, well, I'll pick up a part-time gig till I kind of, and sift my way through and see what I want. I was one of the latter. So I was, <laughs> I was bartending, you know, keep some money in my pocket. And it was cool because my buddies would always come down and see me before they would go out and stuff. And, yeah. you know, so I was bartending downtown and then I got hooked up with On Deck, which is the company I'm actually still with. Okay. And On Deck is a company we do small business financing and we are headquartered in New York City. We have a uh, Arlington, Virginia, so like DC office and then we have a Denver office. Okay. So actually... A kid that I went to school with, he was two years ahead of me, just reached out. I posted a, a Facebook status, actually. Talk about serendipity. We were a little bit earlier. Uh, this was pretty serendipitous. I posted a Facebook status about, um, at, I graduated 2012. So, you know, we had the Great Recession in, in 2008, 2009. Right. So, you know, I was coming out of school 2012 with a bachelor's degree. And it's like, well, good luck finding a job because there's 10 other people that need one, too. You know, so it was... Hop in line. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So it was definitely, it was definitely a competitive um, time to look for an entry level job. And the thing with entry level too, is everybody wants to require experience for your entry level job, but nobody wants to give it. Interesting. Yep. A lot of the audience complains about this. Yep. Yep. Yeah, so, yeah. um, you know, I was right there. I was right there with you guys. So anyway, long story short, I posted a status on Facebook about an article I'd read about the number of like janitors and people in the trade that have bachelor's degrees because there wasn't a job opportunity for them. And I just posted a status and, and a guy that I was Facebook friends with who was two years ahead of me reached out and said, hey, you should check out this company on deck. We're hiring credit analysts pretty regularly. Yeah. Um, it's down in the D.C. area. And like I said, I was open to moving anywhere. So I interviewed. I got the job. They actually offered me the job on the spot. They were like, can you start Monday? And I was like... I mean, yeah, I guess like, like, you know, give me, give me four days to find a place to live, I guess type thing. So we went out that night to celebrate me getting a job with my buddies and I woke up the next day and I couldn't walk and I couldn't get out of bed. I had like a tightness in my lower back trouble, like catching my breath. I was like, man, this is one hell of a hangover. (laughs) I was like, what, what do we do? Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So, you know, and at this time I already put in my two weeks at the bartending job and I was ready to move down to DC and I had to go to the hospital because I couldn't walk and I was diagnosed with something called transverse myelitis. And it was actually misdiagnosed as Guillain-Barre syndrome, which is super rare. That is a disease that it comes out of nowhere and it can cause numbness up your body. The issue is if it gets to your lungs, you can't control your breathing and like it can be very, very detrimental. So anyway, long story short, I'm one of the few lucky ones I've had a full recovery. To this day, I still have no feeling in my left leg. So it's- Are you serious? Yeah. So like I can't tell sensation. I can't tell hot versus cold, sharp versus dull. And I'll get to why I'm getting here in a second. No, no, no. This is good. um, so I was laid up in, in the hospital for two weeks. I had to learn how to walk again and everything. And you know, what's amazing is walking in the door, walking in any room, you have no idea that, like you can't tell because I don't even walk with the gate. Not at you all, know, bro. Exactly, so. Smooth as hell. Uh, yeah, thanks brother. <laughs> um, so I've had a full recovery. I'm very fortunate in that, a lot of therapy. But anyway, that was about a month process. And during this entire time on deck, they kept my role open for me. Even though I didn't meet the start date, they were like, you know, hey, we'll go ahead and push this back. Mm-hmm. Um, so I ended up moving down to DC April of 2013. I didn't know a single soul. My buddy who had referred me, who was two years ahead of me, he lived probably about 40 minutes-ish, I think, from the office. So like, you know, I'm moving to a new town. I don't know anybody. I'm fresh off this freak injury. I don't know like what's going on with me. So I moved to DC and I worked with my company on deck as a credit analyst. And it took me a little bit of time, but I developed a really good group of friends there. And I was there for a total of about 15 months. And 
it got to a point where I, I liked the company. I liked what we were doing. I was grateful for them. You know, I still had this feeling of, of gratefulness because they held that role for me. So I was like, you know what? I don't like my day to day, but I like what this company is about. Mm -hmm. And I like the potential opportunities. I think I want to get into sales. Okay. So I interviewed for a sales role, got the job and they said, Hey, this job is yours, but you either have to go up to our New York office or our Denver office. Being 24 years old and single, I was like, if I'm ever going to move across the country, now's the time to do it. Absolutely. Um, so that brought me out to Denver. I moved out to Denver July 4th, 2014, the 4th of July. Wow. Um, and I've been out here ever since. So. Man, you're practically a native, brother. Yeah, dude. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm as real as you could get out here, especially dude, for not being from here. That's a hell of a story, man. I mean, just listening to you express all of that, like all the zigs and the zags. Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, it's a perfect analogy for like how it can be for life, right? And so to the audience, you know, to the folks that are out there that are trying to figure out what the right next step is, you know, and that I feel kind of paralyzed too, because there is like a part of human nature that wants to have so much shit figured out, right? Mm -hmm. Before you make that initial leap of faith. How do you muster up the courage to make that leap of faith to say, you know what, right now I'm in the present time, things are going on, but with what I currently know about this opportunity that I'm trying to evaluate, this feels like it makes the most sense. I'm gonna go for it. Like, how do they practically take that, that, that leap? Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Uh, good question, man. And uh, I think you said fear is paralyzing, right? Oh, man. I mean, and that's in life and business in relationships and moving like, yeah. and I always say the hardest thing to do is the first thing. And what mm. I mean by that is like your first steps are hardest. So let's just take a metaphor of me moving from Pennsylvania to Colorado, right? Yeah. Like driving from Pennsylvania to Ohio was the hardest part because by the time I got in Illinois or, or Indiana, I'm already on the way. Like I'm already going to Colorado. There's only one direction to keep going. Right. So right. the first step's the hardest. You know what I mean? I think if you can overcome that first step in anything in life, whether it's go talk to that girl at the bar or, you know, approach your boss about a raise, like taking that first one-on-one -on -one or mm -hmm investing in the company that you've always wanted to start, the hardest part is starting yeah. and it will never be harder than that. That doesn't mean you're not going to work because the challenges come up day in and day out. And like you said, kind of the zigs and the zags, but what I'm finding out too, like even with proto taste is like things come up every single day and we have one life and the only way you can go is forward. Oh, you know man. what I mean? Like you can't go back. So right. it's like this obstacle comes up, you figure it out and then you keep moving. I got sick in the hospital and it was like, okay, well, I was still planning on going to DC. Can I still do that? Like, yeah, let's just, what I'm going to figure out is I'm going to recover and then I'm going to go. Like you have an opportunity to go to New York, to go to Denver. Like, all right, I'm going to go to Denver, like kind of pushing my comfort zone. And you don't even realize it at the time, but when you look back, that's exactly what it is. So, yeah. you know, my advice on that is like the first step's the hardest. It'll continue to be difficult work, mm -hmm. but it will never be harder than making the decision and committing to doing that. Wow. So making the decision. Yep, exactly. So if I'm hearing you correctly, you know, and if you can kind of think about this as like anything like related to like gravity, right? Like there's so much initial inertia keeping you from like that, yeah. you know, that, that major propel exactly up into the universe. I think I read somewhere that like a rocket ship or whatever going out in the universe uses like the most fuel just to sort of overcome its initial launch than what it does like just orbiting around. I so, love that. That's, so a, that's to great. your point. That's really good. Second thing I heard from you was that dude, problems are always going to be there. Always. Like, like they're a constant. So if people can kind of keep that top of mind, it's like, all right, well, what kind of problems do I want? The ones that I currently know that are probably small problems or do I want to take control of what I can 
push towards my potential destiny and trade up for larger problems. Yep, exactly. Right? It's also too how you look at it. A problem isn't a bad thing. Yeah. You know, going back Ooh, to- Oh, it's going not a back, bad thing. No, dude, going back to Gary Vee always says that, like you have to learn from your losses. And, and a lot of coaches, a lot of motivational speakers, a lot of entrepreneurs, they all preach that. But it takes a while for you to really understand that. Like it's okay to take an L. You know what I mean? Like you have to learn from it, adapt. And like, you're gonna lose. There's gonna be problems that arise. How do you view it? Yeah. How can you get around it? Like, I think to kind of going back full circle here, we were talking about the sense of entitlement today and with millennials and what I think social media has done is it's created this instant gratification that we all desire. Like Mm -hmm. things take time. It's not one of my favorite quotes is like, no overnight success was overnight. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they don't see the work that you're putting in behind doors. They don't see your years of drawing it on the napkins and planning and saving. There was a rap song. You remember when like Kobe had that scandal? Yes. Yeah. And it was like, bitch, you wasn't with me shooting in the gym. Bitch, you wasn't with me shooting in the gym. He knows. Call the real one. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. That's for the real ones. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I feel that man. It's like, yeah. yo, you got to realize that like, there's a lot that goes into this. And I would also caution people, right? Just because it's super hard right now doesn't mean that like for you to take that first step and like the amount of effort that it took will always be that way for like future steps to come. Yep. What I mean by that is that like effort tends to compound. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, Bingo. like like it's it's super hard because you've never done it before. Yep. So give yourself a little bit of patience, give yourself a little bit of self-love. Keep taking those steps regardless, knowing that over time the work will compound. Yep. Self-love and, and perspective, man. I mean, like you need to look at this. You need to look at playing the long game, right? Like yeah. so many people want to cash in quick on like you want to day trade. You know what I mean? Like yeah. people want to buy something today, sell it tomorrow for a profit. Like you don't see the time that you're putting in and the effort that's going behind it. Like, behind the scenes. And I think like you said too, self-love, man, it's easy I am probably my own worst critic, and I think probably a lot of your listeners are too. Right. Which is good. Keep that drive, keep that motivation, but like, don't be afraid to pour yourself that beer that hard earned after a day. You know what I mean? Don't be afraid to pat yourself on the back for closing a big deal or for taking that hard step. Like, if it were easy, everybody would do it, mm-hmm. you know? And shout out to my girlfriend, Haley. Two years ago, she's actually in her last month of occupational therapy school, yeah. and I'm super proud of her. When I first met her, she was an accountant, and she was doing accounting, and like she didn't love it, and she said she's always wanted to go to occupational therapy school. And her boss came out and said, you know, hey, like it's been a good couple years. If you want to go to the next level here, we're going to have to get you to get your CPA. It was a fair request, and the CPA takes about two years or so to get through, but occupational therapy program after having a bachelor's degree also took two years. Oh. So I told her, I, you know, I was a big, I was a big proponent. I was like, look, you've had this itch since we've met. We talked about that earlier, that itch you got to scratch. You gotta scratch it. I was like, life is too short to be miserable in a career yeah. and do this now. She'll be 28 and working in the field that she wants to work in. I told her, I was like, even if you were 78, I would still tell you, Hey, go do what you want to do. You only have this one shot. But the hardest part for her was quitting the accounting job, giving up the company car, going from getting a paycheck to working two part-time jobs while you put your way through school. Mm-hmm. But here she is, bro, three weeks left and she's gonna be done, she's gonna pass her test and, yeah. you know, and, and get into the industry. It's just like, it's worth it, but you have to put in the time. And the hardest part for her was, quitting your job. Like that first step is the hardest, you know, build that momentum, right? Bro, you give me goosebumps, man. (laughs) I love it because it's like the perfect like example and story of just being an active agent for yourself. Everybody has that intuition, that like internal compass that is sort of like a guiding light towards what you should be doing. Absolutely. I think what's hard is like the unknown. Haley didn't know how difficult it would be, you know, leaving like a cush salary, having yep. to do the two jobs and whatnot. But like now that's all about to be so worthwhile. Exactly. Because she's actually doing what the hell she wants to do. Exactly. It's a beautiful test. And, and I to think that. too, that's a big thing for, for your listeners too, is like, you know, 
do what you want to do. Do it now. Like you don't need permission. You don't yeah. need like, like in her specific scenario of like, you know, telling her family that like, Hey, I'm quitting this cushy job to go back to school for something I really want to do. Like in the beginning, people kind of question their heads. But then after that, it was just like old hat. You know what I mean? It's like, Oh, how school? Not why did you do that? Right. So, you know, one thing I think like people get caught up is, is people are so worried about what other people think of them. Right. Like newsflash, man, people don't give a shit about you. They are way too selfish yeah. to know. And not that they don't care about you, but they might say to you like, oh, why are you doing this? Like you could fail. But then the next day they're going to go on to talking about something different. So exactly. you know what I mean? Like we all have our own problems. We all have our own shit we're dealing with. Can I say shit? Absolutely, bro. <laughs> we all have our own shit that we're dealing with. And um, I think that every person needs to remember that when it comes time to take that leap of faith, just do it. Because even if you fail, people are going to forget about your failure by tomorrow. You got to get in the arena, folks. Exactly. You, it, you know, life's too short to be in the bleachers mm -hmm. of your own life that, you know, at the end of the day, you got to keep score for yourself. hundred you know? percent. So I completely agree with you, man. And I could talk about that with you all day long, right. but I know time's limited, man. Yeah, you, yeah of course. You're, you're, you're a businessman. So I want to pivot real quick. Yeah. So now you're on deck. You got mm -hmm. a sales role. Yep. And um, you started to think about Prototaste, which mm -hmm. for everybody that doesn't know, Prototaste essentially is your own business. It's a food truck that empowers chefs yep. and restaurateurs to sort of try their idea out without having to like, you know, risk exactly all up front. Because we all know the restaurant business can be cutthroat. So before we get to the Prototaste thing, mm -hmm. talk to me about you now being a sales guy at On Deck and starting to think about your own idea, your own venture. Like, yeah, yeah. How does that come about for you? Well, so I've always wanted to be in business for myself. Okay. Um, and On Deck working it's with- Itch you have to scratch. Itch I got to scratch, man. Okay, I don't um, know how you describe that. What I like about being in business for yourself is obviously like the freedom first and foremost. And like, you know, you make your own decisions every day to better yourself and better your business. But also to me, there's a sense of pride. This goes back to kind of like just being scrappy, right? Like mm -hmm. there's a sense of pride and building something from the ground up that I want something here that's going to outlast me on this world. You know what I mean? Legacy. Like, legacy stuff. And I mean, it's, it's, it sounds funny. Like, you know, it sounds almost kind of like power craze or money hungry, but it's not, man. It's just to say that I built something from the ground up and when I'm gone, like that will be there or so, something that was there for a point of time. Right. Um, so I've always kind of had that entrepreneurial spirit and shout out to on deck, man, because they champion that within our employees. Ooh. Like, like, you know what I mean? They like to have their employees, with our values that the company offers and working with small business owners every day, that scratch you just continued that. to grow and grow. You know what I mean? So, you know, it got to a point where it was like, I'm afforded this opportunity with on deck with a great company that is the startup culture was a startup culture. Now, you know, we're 12 years old now and that they like their employees to kind of have that mindset. So, you know, I think in this day and age, there's never been a better time. You can go work a nine to five and then come home and start something, or you can bust your ass on weekends to do whatever it is you want to do while still having your nine to five. Like right. that wasn't always the case. That wasn't even the case 30 years ago, you know, before we, we were born 20 years ago, I, you know, right. depending on how old some of your listeners are, it's been in their lifetime when they were a kid, their parents couldn't even do that. And now we can. Right. So I think that's, you know, if, if that's your, if that's kind of your goal, use it. Yeah. You know, take advantage of it. 100%, 100%. So on deck actually fosters an environment like th this is a, a corporation that fosters an environment where they seemingly are not threatened by their employees 
you know, taking those steps to like find their own fulfillment? Yeah. Like, like is, that, is that something that like they actively talk about or is that just like the culture it's that's in the so, background? It's more so the culture, you know, and okay. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't start a lending company and call it off deck, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, and, yeah. and still expect it to kind of have that relationship. But I mean, there's, you know, that entrepreneurial mindset and that like little side hustle, there's several employees that are doing stuff outside. You know, as long as you're going to work and when you're at work, you're working, yeah. you know, it's almost something that's not talked about necessarily, but like, hey, good for you for working on that outside of the awesome because also now i relate more to our clients because i'm getting more and more like our potential client correct you so know you, know you can mean? actually have that conversation and being a salesperson that needs to meet your client where they are how do you do that if you have no frame of reference exactly. as to what that's really like exactly so actually it would make sense there's more of an alignment there yep and you know empathy is a big thing with sales you know oh, totally. and, and being able to put yourself in the other person's shoes yeah and some of our small businesses might be calling in because their pizza oven broke and they needed that fixed yesterday you know every time that a restaurant let's just say is losing out on equipment being broken and they can't sling their pies right like not only are they losing money but they're also inventory sitting so that's money lost twice so yeah. you know you kind of get that sense of urgency with small business owners when you can relate to things that they've gone through yeah. And I think that's where like a lot of large corporations, primarily large corporations that employ young professionals, millennials miss the bar. Agreed. Right. It's like we are taking over the workforce. Our age group by 2025, I read somewhere, will make up 75% of the workforce. That's incredible. Man. Yet three out of every four young professionals claims being super disengaged at work. So I wonder where these large companies are missing the gap and I wonder what they could do. Could they maybe like, you know, take an approach like on deck to say, hey, like maybe this is a culture shift we need to make to have people feel a little bit more bought in. Yeah, I would say it's definitely a culture thing. I think too, you know, because I do some interviews at on deck for people in other departments, like I come in and we'll do like a values interview yeah. um, where you're interviewing with somebody outside of your department. So when we talk to candidates too, you know, one thing I always ask and I get the sense of is to somebody maybe coming from Chase and or from a different, more corporate environment, some of these older companies, yeah. especially in banking, you know, you can only accommodate that culture so much because right. of the line of, of work. Of the industry. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, you're just kind of going handcuffed to yep, it. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, I think the culture shift is probably the big thing. But I think, too, it's within limits of what you can and can't do as the company. Like, I don't think all these young millennials can be mad if the company doesn't have a ping pong table or you can't wear jeans to work. It's not, you know, maybe that's not what their MO is type thing. So maybe they can't afford to have that. So, yeah. you know, I think part of that, too, is like companies need to adapt to millennials. Millennials also need to adapt to older corporations and like goes back to that entitlement, man. Entitlement. You know, like, hey, if, if you have to wear a suit to work, wear a suit to work, man. Like, if it's business casual, don't go in with jeans and a t-shirt every day. Right. You know, so I think a part of that is like our generation giving back to the company and realizing there's times where you can get away with that and times where you can't. I love it. I love it. Well said, man. So now you've started Prototaste. Yep. I want to talk about this because I just love the concept. Thanks, First of all, in your own words, describe what it is you do yeah. and, and the yeah. problem you're so, trying to solve. So Prototaste is a platform. We offer distribution for existing restaurants and aspiring chefs. Okay. Um, we have a food truck and different restaurants can rent that food truck on a per event basis. So what that does is that allows these mom and pop or these single location restaurants to test out a different part of town, test out a new menu item, or aspiring chefs can rent our truck at a fraction of the cost of buying their own truck or taking a loan out for their restaurant and they can get some real feedback you know work with us for three six nine months and build a following and then when your following's ready go out on your own 
it's interesting. The thing that restaurants do best is go out of business, right? So we're a company that's trying to help mitigate that risk, yeah. both financial and the commitment. Uh-huh. Um, you know, by basically bringing this this we work or we share or community environment that we love in this day and age, and applying that to the restaurant industry. Dude, that freaking idea is so brilliant. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. <laughs> it's funny. Like I, I didn't know like the level of depth to the right. idea, but I, I just heard, oh, Chris has opened up a food truck. Yeah, yeah. And it's so easy to be like, that's cool, but like. Everybody's got a food truck Right, now. exactly. So, like, uh, how did that concept come to mind? Do you have experience with restaurants or... Yeah, so we're Greek. And I don't yeah. know if you know, the, you know the joke with Greeks. You, is had, they you all, had a restaurant back in... Uh, exactly. Yeah. So, um, my grandfather opened a restaurant back in Harrisburg. That right. It was called Zorba's. My dad actually helped open a restaurant in our hometown as well. That's still stand today. Best cheesesteaks in town. Jackson House. Shout out. Love it. Shout out. <laughs> Harrisburg. Um, so, you know, it's kind of always been in my blood. And I worked in a couple of restaurants. Like I said, I was bartending after college. I was always a front of the house. So I have no okay. culinary experience. Um, and then actually the idea came in because when I moved out here, I wanted to start a, I love Denver. I think one thing that they, an area they have to grow is the culinary scene is really good, but I think there's a lot of room for growth for it. I think like, and that's what a company like Prototaste can help bring up the culinary scene in Denver. But one thing I noticed coming from the East coast, man, is all these kitchens close at 11, you know, the streets are flooded with people at two 30 on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. And and people are hungry because the bars let out and there's no late night options. You have a couple pizza joints and we won't talk about the Denver pizza coming from the East Coast, <laughs> but that's all right. But um, the East Coast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I originally wanted to start like a late night East Coast inspired guilty pleasure menu. I was going to get like the bread shipped out from Philadelphia, like use the Amarosa rolls for cheesesteaks. Oh, and like, and that's, I was going to kind of do authentic, authentic stuff, but like that's everywhere, you know, and then kind of as I was saving up money for this, I saw more and more food trucks pop up and do the late night thing, which was cool. So then I kind of stepped back and my partner that I was actually going to go in on the guilty pleasure grub with, which was like going to be the name of our food truck. Um, he actually took a role out of a different company to further his career, yeah. like with the brewery as like a GM and things like that. So, you know, there's no hard feelings, but it kind of put everything on oh, pause. Yeah. And what I did then is I kind of stepped back and I said, okay, you know, everything kind of happens for a reason. Like going back to what we said earlier, the hardest part, like you still have to go forward. This was an obstacle that came up, but I'm still going forward. And I said, what is something that I can maybe offer all these food trucks? Or what is something that I can offer these restaurants instead of compete with them yeah. to help take them to the next level? Yeah. And, you know, with that kind of proto taste was born and, you know, we, we haven't looked back since only one way to go. I oh, fucking love it, man. So you got the food truck. It sounds like you're using your sales skills now to like go and find restaurant tour yep. chefs that like, can, you know, yep, we, le- leverage your... Yeah, absolutely. We have two clients already, actually. We signed our okay. first client, DeFranco's, which is over on 9th and Lincoln. Yeah. Um, and this company called Postcard Foods, which is a startup. They have a really cool idea. They are going to have a trailer that's built out outside of 70, like right outside of Idaho Springs. And they're going to do like prepped food that you can just take with you on your way to the mountains. Their slogan is like more time on the mountains, yeah. you know, and less time in your Airbnb cooking or in your room or shopping for food. So they're working with us now to kind of get some like feedback on their food and their recipe. So it's, it's really cool to enable them. I love that you took this from idea to concept. Mm-hmm. Talk about how empowering it is now to have your first couple of clients, yeah. you know, yeah. and actually being able to bridge that to where like you're actually bringing some serious value to the people yeah, that 100%. are signing on with Prototaste. A hundred percent. So to me, I think signing your first client was the coolest feeling I had. Yeah. And while the on deck may be more lucrative, right? Because, you know, <laughs> on, deck's, on deck's still paying my bills and, and, and my nine to five, I'm still very passionate about that too and helping other small business owners. But signing your first client to something that you built from the ground up is indescribable because 
not only did you sell yourself on this idea, yeah. not only did you sell, you know, p partnerships, things like that, but you went ahead and you sold somebody else to use it. And I don't use the term selling them like with a negative connotation because it's not like you're selling them something like you're a snake oil salesman, but you're selling this concept to somebody that can bring value to them right. and they're buying it. Um, so, you know, zero to one is the hardest, right? But I will say, man, one to two was pretty freaking cool because zero to one was proof of concept. And then one to two shows, okay, this is a scalable thing, right? We're actually having a meeting with a potential third client next week. So we have some goals that we want to do kind of internally. We want to have a group of members that are kind of ramped up with us here by the end of the year so yeah. that we can provide value and, and feedback distribution to, to as many restaurants as we can. I love it. So you mentioned you're still working at On Deck, yep. very passionate about that. And it sounds like On Deck allows you the opportunity or the yeah. ability to like, you know, build prototypes right. to where it could ultimately go. Talk about your free time though. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. what was that like making that transition, going to On Deck nine to five, yep. quote unquote, and then having to build prototypes on the back end? You learn to love it, right? Like your free time before is, you know, and I still make time to exercise. I'm big on, especially living this kind of life. You know, we talked about that. You got to be active you in some sense, just because it helps you mentally as well. Stay sharp. Outside of work, I was just doing gym, partying, you know, hanging out with the lady, watching TV, binging Netflix. So the stereotypical <laughs> stuff, you know, yeah. I was in my late twenties. And then, then this idea kind of started and now it's really all I do outside of work. In a sense, you know, let's just say a normal Wednesday for me might be, okay, you wake up in the morning, you hit the gym, or you hit the gym after work. Either way, I'm covering up my time. I go to work for, you know, your eight, nine, 10 hours a day, yeah. um, come home, eat dinner, and then it's either a phone call with my business partner, Kyle, and talking about things that we're doing. It's either reaching out to potential new clients, or it's either development of products that we already have. So, you know, I value free time in a sense too, that like you do need the balance. You need the work-life balance. And even when I'm not working, I'm working type thing, but it's still important, you know, if you find joy in video games, carve out, you know, your 30 minutes. If, if that's how you kind of tune out or if you golf every Sunday, go golf every Sunday. Yeah. Like, you know, you still need that balance I'm finding, but free time is so, so valuable. It's allowed me to build a business from nothing. Right. Um, and I think, a lot of stories that we hear about people like, hey, I'm just going to go for it. I'm jumping like I'm, I'm going for broke like this is it. We hear the success stories, right? What's not published is the not Mark Zuckerbergs, the people right. that quit their job. They try this and they're like, well, shit, now I failed and now I'm all out of this money and I got to start from ground up and get back into corporate America. And that's OK, man. You can always go get another job. But I think with your free time and like we said earlier, in this day and age, you are allowed to build things outside of work. Right. Like it, it enables you to do it. So I think being at on deck, keeping my nine to five has allowed me to make better business decisions for prototypes as well, mm -hmm. because I'm not trying to turn a profit right off the bat. I'm not trying to pay myself back. Like let the business run. Yeah. And then when it comes time that, okay, you're putting in 40, 50 hours a week at on deck and you're putting in 30, 40 hours at prototypes. Like now it's kind of the time to shift. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. So you'll kind of know, especially too, do just because you want to still live your lifestyle. That's comfortable. If it's traveling, if it's going to dinners, if it's entertaining, whatever it is, you still want to live that lifestyle, you yeah. know? So sacrifices are big, but you still need that balance. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. I'm so happy you touched on that because because there is a lot of propaganda out there on things like social media talking yep. about like grind, 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 like cut the freaking, you know, bridge or burn the ships, yeah. whatever. And like, yeah, okay. Like certain times like that may be appropriate, but that doesn't mean that that's like the end all be all exactly. way to do it. Exactly. I think the burn the ships, I do love that. And, and I think that's like, you know, when your back's against the wall, your true colors come out. Yeah. But 
I think what they're not showing too is like burn the ships when necessary. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> when necessary. Yeah, dude. Like health insurance Big is a caveat. thing. Health insurance is a yeah. thing. You know what I mean? Like if your company is is giving you benefits and, and you're still paying your rent with that, like you don't need to make this jump and just go for broke right away. Like make sure everything's ramped up. Make sure all your ducks are in. Like I'll tell you what, man, if I would have left the company when I first thought that you would, people forget about for instance, with a food truck specifically, the inspections, the back end, like build out always takes longer than you think. Mm-hmm. You're not going to have these relationships off the bat. Like, you know, you could have been there six months with no money. So with no money coming in, no income to pay your right. bills. So it's like, I think that's important too, to remember when starting a business, there's always a lot more on the back end that goes into b- you before your launch. Yeah. Yep. I love it. My next question, this is a little bit of a touchy subject, but I'm curious to get your point of view on this. Like, how much do you think that like going out and building prototypes while still working on at on deck mm-hmm. has helped your mental health? You know, mental yeah. health is a, is a real big issue. Yep. You briefly touched on this idea or this this concept of prior to prototypes, you know, are you creating something for yourself? You just kind of were like, all right, yeah, some exercise, chill with the girl, Netflix and binge. Yeah. You know, talk about like the shifting just your mental headspace going from that to now, everything else you've always done, yep. but not prototype, something, you know, something that yeah. you really feel like you're plugged into and how that's helped your mental health. Yeah, man. G- great question. I think to my buddy, um, who back home, he was a valedictorian, um, yeah. or the solidator, the, the second one, yeah, I think. the second one. Yeah. yeah. And, um, went to Penn business school. Oh, wow. Um, very, very successful, played basketball with me growing up. Um, good friend of mine, my whole life. And he's back home and he's doing like life coaching and consulting. And, um, you know, so I talk with him a bunch. He's a real good guy, very bright guy, obviously too. And, um, one thing that he always talks about or, um, that we kind of touch base on, in reference to the uh, the mental health aspect of it is, he always says too, when you build a company, when you build your own job, you can build anything, mm-hmm. right? Like being an entrepreneur gets a lot of love these days because it's like the cool thing to do, but it's hard. It's hard. If you can make a job, if you can make work, if you can make a company out of thin air, you can make anything. So I think building this company from the ground up, like the obstacles that we've overcome, a quick little story. We had our first show at Red Rocks. We were one of the companies that were vending out there and we did an internal concept. We didn't, cause we didn't have any clients, um, yet. So we were like, okay, cool. We'll go, we'll go up there and cook. Yeah, man. I kid you not. We get the whole way out to Red Rocks, which is, you know, 35 minutes outside of downtown. And I go to unlock the door. I'm so freaking excited. And the key broke. The key broke in the door and I was like, and I, and dude, I, I'm a, I'm a pretty, you know, I, I stay pretty cool and stuff, but I turned to my partner, Kyle. I was like, Kyle, the key just broke. I was like, what are we going to do with fuck? I got to drive back to Denver. I'm like, you know, we're missing, this is money right now. Right. Um, and, and Kyle just kind of jammed the key in and like, like turned it around and fixed it. Like our second show at Red Rocks, our propane ran out. Wow. And so we had, I ran, went down to the 7-Eleven at the gas station down the street, got a little propane for grill. Like, so my point is those are just two examples, but the obstacles you overcome make you mentally tougher than anything else mm-hmm. will ever bring. Like if you can do this, if you can build a business and like you're responsible for everything you do with your company. So propane running out was my fault. Breaking the key was my fault. Like, so there's no one to point to. So you learn accountability. You learn if you didn't have that before you learn discipline because mm-hmm. Hey, you want to get new clients, you got to put the work in. Like they're not just going to come. You can't make one social media post and expect to get a lot right. of referrals. So, um, 
the, the mental aspect of building a business, I think has probably been one of my favorite aspects because it just, you just grow as an individual and you, you realize like the, like I said in the beginning, the only way to go is forward. Like, mm-hmm. Hey, this is going to come up. Well, do you go through it around it or jump over it? Like, yeah. cause you've got to keep going. So, Absolutely. you know, you bought this food truck for instance. So the fact that this isn't working, okay, well your money's there. So how are you going to get money back? Right. And that's the thing. So I think, you know, the only time you ever die is when you stop. I love that, dude. I yep. think about like being out like, an, I don't know, like a freaking safari or something, just like out in the open plains and yep. a bunch of freaking arrows coming at you. You don't really have to necessarily know like which way is towards safety. You just got to keep moving. Exactly. Dude, when, I love that. When you, I, I love, I love when you that. stop is when you get shot and yep. you die. Yep. I, you I always say too, you know, the only way that you fail is by quitting. Yeah. And what that means is like, if you keep going forward, if you keep, just keep going, mm-hmm you'll find success eventually because it's there. Yeah, dude, thank you for sharing that, bro. Yeah, of course. Um, real quick before we kind of like wrap up, yeah. where can people follow your journey on Prototaste yeah. and, and just even you as an individual? Yes, we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter, Facebook, at Prototaste, P-R-O-T-O, Taste, T-A-S-T-E. My name's Chris Semplis, and you'll find me from there as well. Yeah, and I'll, I'll have like a link. Perfect. Yeah, uh, I appreciate that. Down below and this yeah, www.prototaste.com. Um, if you're interested in working with us, partnering with us, um, yeah. all that information's on there. If you just want to be a supporter and just follow us to our events and locations and, and members are all on that as well. So. I love it, man. Do, do you see this going beyond Denver one day? Yeah, I, I, I think um, I've actually had some, some people reach out, some of my homies in, in other cities, you know, saying, hey, let me know when you're ready to go on. I I want to test the concept and prove that there's legs to it in Denver and I want to run for a good year or so in Denver. And then there's no reason that something like this can't be in every single city, in my opinion, you know, because it's enabling local cuisine, you know, I I think you're honest. I'm big. I appreciate you, bro. I I just keep on getting goosebumps. All right, bro. We're wrapping up here. A few more questions. Um, I love this question. This is a fun one for me. So if potential were like a destination on a map, like a physical location, what would be more fun in your opinion? Would it be like the drive there, like the journey there to that location of potential or would it just be just getting there? Yeah. Um, That's a really good question too. And I think a lot of people always say that you have to like the journey, right? Like you can't not like the journey or you'll never get there. Um, I kind of view it as like, if you never settle, you're always going to be on the journey, right? Mm -hmm. So like once you get to your potential, like let's just even talk sales goals, right? You have a quota. Like once you're at quota, you don't just settle. Right. Yeah, cool. You're here. I want to go make more money. Like, or clients for business. Once you have one client, you want two. Once you have two, you want three. So that's a really interesting question. I think you have to always learn to, to love the journey because otherwise, once you get to your goal, then you're just going to rest on your laurels and you can't do that because somebody else will come after you. Again, you die. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> stop moving, you die, man. Seriously. Yeah, that's a good answer, brother. And what's your definition of living like a purposeful life? I think self-awareness and knowing what truly makes you happy. Mm. Um, I hate social media for this reason, man, actually, because I think nobody ever posts their bad days, right? Like, And I'm not mad that people are posting things that make them happy. But what I'm mad at is the way that we let that other people let it affect them. Like, oh, this, you know, you're comparing yourself constantly, which is okay. I'm as competitive as they come. But, you know, like this posting stuff on there, like, you know, has always kind of been like, well, shit, that person was living the best life. Dude, they're going through shit too. You know what I mean? So I think living the best life you can is just about find out what truly makes you happy. Like spending time with family, friends. If it is money, go get your money. Like, but you need to find your self purpose and yeah. what it is that fulfills that and go get it I love by it, any means. I love it. I love it. Real well. Yeah. That, that, that comparison thing, that's a big thing that I, I hear from a lot of the audience is, yeah. you know, well, 
I got my nose in the social for X amount of hours per day. Like it's human nature to feel like I'm really missing the ball on something yeah, here because yeah, I yeah. see Joey, you know, in the south of Spain. Yeah. Proposing, you know, whatever exactly. the case may be. But it's like that's one little snippet from Joey's life. Right. You don't know you don't know what how Joey got there. You know, you know how he got there. So yeah, I gotta just kinda stay in your lane there a little 100%. bit. hundred percent. All right, bro. We are transitioning to uh, what I like to call the free time five. I don't even know why I call it that, but it's five <laughs> random questions at yeah. the end of the interview. I like that, I man. Do. The free time uh, five. Just, just as a way to kind of have some fun with you. <laughs> yeah. Um, what, what is your favorite just kind of like leisure activity in your free time or in your downtime? Um, I'm a very social person. I enjoy, like my value is relationships and being around people. Yeah. You know, like right now it's football season every Sunday I, I watch with the same group of guys there's a dozen of us you know we watch yeah. the shout out Eagles Lounge go birds <laughs> um, um, but you know so like outside of outside of you know my work and, and my exercise things like that the stuff that I do to kind of keep me healthy mm-hmm. I enjoy just being with other people you know love it love it man what's one choice today that you made that you consciously had to make alright big or small choice that actively pushes you towards your potential or you know discovering your potential uh, I think coming on this, man, oh, wow. I, I think, um, I think coming on your podcast, Carl, and, you know, I'm super excited to be here, but just doing stuff like this and talking, I think, um, I recently read a book that I recommend to everybody called the go giver. Have you ever read that? Right there on my shelf. See, yeah. see, shout out. Um, and that one of the concepts in there is just how much value you can bring other people. So, yeah. you know, if you, the more value you bring, the more, the more that you will build yourself up to, dude, you know what? <laughs> I, I I thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. I want to make a quick plug. I completely agree with what this man just said. I have this like little like philosophy that like success is service. And and I say that because, you know, ask yourself, have you ever had like a down day? Yeah. And you're just like so like caught up in like that tunnel vision, like shit, man, which way is up? One of the things I like to do is I just pick up my phone and just like hit up a friend. Yeah. Or call somebody and just be like, yo, how you doing, man? Exactly. Yep. You know, it, I love it, that. it's just such a way to like to what Chris is saying, add some value to somebody else and then like Unequivocally, I'm always feeling better on the back end. 100. And or like my you know solution to my my short term issue just seems to pop out of nowhere. Exactly. Just taking off the blinders, man. And people remember how you make them feel. You know yes. what I mean? So like you reaching out to somebody, they'll reach out to you too, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's kind of how that social currency works. I love it, man. Um, what's one empowering quote you'd like to leave with the audience? I, I know you touched on something a little earlier, but something empowering that you know is your favorite that you'd like to leave with the audience today? Yeah, that's a good one. Um, maybe not favorite quote, but like it's a very simple mantra. Just keep going. Like keep going. keep going. No matter what's going on in your life, like whether it's even something like depression, you know, something like you talk about mental health or, you know, mental wellness and health. And that's something that's really close to me. Like this dark cloud that's over your head. If you keep going, you'll get through it. You know what I mean? In yeah. business, you come up with an obstacle, just keep going, man. You'll get through it. So Absolutely. I, that's just kind of a fun little mantra that, that I like to, to remind myself and others. It's nice and simple too. Yeah. It's actionable. Exactly. And then bro, man, I'm really big on like visualization. Mm-hmm. I think like, you know, anything that you hope to ever like accomplish or attain, once began as an idea. Yep. And so if we can have a better relationship with like what we're thinking about and what we're inputting, we'd probably be surprised as to what we can actually manifest. So, you know, I'm your witness today. The audience is your witness today. I want to know, I want you to declare, you know, what does life look like for you in six to nine months? And that could be professionally, personally, whatever. Yeah, but yeah, for sure. Obviously we'll be talking before then, but I'm going to have you come back on and we're going to do a fun little thing. Yeah, that's cool, man. I like that. I'll make it prototaste related just so it's actionable okay, and, and, I love it. and you can I, keep me to it. You know, in six to nine months, we hope to have six full-time members, um, okay. potentially a second asset and an additional offering other than distribution for our clients. 
Wow. So those are those are some some three things that we're hoping to have on the books by when. So next summer, next, bye bye. Wow, that's crazy. Right? There's yeah, holidays next, already, summer, man. Oh my god, that's right. We're in October right now. Yeah. Yeah. Starting next summer. Yeah. So that you can you can mark that, man. That's that's a good way to hold us accountable. Second asset, six full time employees or six full time uh, members. Members. Yeah. Um, potentially a second a second asset and a different product on our shelf other than just distribution that we will be able to offer our members scalability scalability baby. man that's what it's all about Chris, brother dude, I, love, I, I love you dude i appreciate, I, I I appreciate you, you coming on and just, just course, keeping man. it real as you always do man and bringing you know that what? heart that heart baby that heart that heart is undying man that that, that shit is relentless i so appreciate that brother I, I just pray that you just keep up man i can't wait to see all the success that's coming your way dude i appreciate it man and uh just one thing for your audience too this guy running the podcast carl <laughs> he's saying all this nice stuff about me but this is one of the most genuine guys i know hard work and do it himself so don't let him sell you short man <laughs> carl you keep doing your thing too brother the sky's the limit for you man i appreciate that bro thanks so much for tuning in remember yesterday is gone and tomorrow is not promised so there's no better time than the present to get into the arena of your life and to start moving towards your purpose and potential peace hey i want to personally thank you again for tuning in at the end of the day I really do believe that we're all in this game of life to help one another out. And that the best way we can do this is through sharing our stories more openly and honestly. And so, if you like the show, please take a quick minute to leave us a rating, drop us a review, and subscribe for more. Also, I'd love to get to know you a little bit better and hear your story. Please head over to carlsona.com slash chat. That's Carl with a K, S-O-N-A dot com slash chat to book a 15-minute free Zoom call with me, and I can't wait to see you there.